HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is presented by The Green Grape. Hi guys, I'm Jamie Oliver and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, HRN is celebrating 10 years of food radio. How amazing. For the past decade, they've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and so much more. It's been 10 years, and they're just getting started. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Southern Teague. (laughs) (laughs) Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, my friend. It's our first show back since the holiday. Sure as shit is. Sure as shit. Yeah. (laughs) Been a lot of uh, scaredy cat people out there reaching out to me saying, is the show over? I'm like, no, we got Jamie Oliver up in here now. He's (laughs) naked. (laughs) (laughs) We all are naked. That's a great thing about radio. Yeah. We're all just they hanging out naked. They don't know. It's like it's like when you uh, when they say like you have to give a speech in front of a, a a crowd, just picture everyone naked. Yeah, but here we just get naked. Like you get to picture us naked because we are, and you can't see us because it's radio. I have to assume that there's at least a portion of the listener who's naked as well. I I always listen to the show naked. I can't do. <laughs> you know, it's not about being work. naked and listening to your own voice. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's soothing. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so this show's going off the air next week. Yeah. <laughs> They're gonna replace us with the naked chef. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, what did you do for uh, for New Year's Eve? I worked. I worked at uh, both Amori Margo and kind of over at Blue Quarter. I was walking between the two bars. What are you Questlove now? You're just everywhere. Boom, you cloned yourself. Indeed. Um, so yeah, I was just you know it's only two and a half blocks, so I'm traveling back and forth, just saying hello to people. I wasn't behind either bar. I was just kind of being the really the face and shaking hands. Yeah, it was yeah. a Monday. It was a Monday night. You know, uh, I, wasn't I, crazy busy at either one. I, this was the first year that I did not work I know, behind a bar. I know. Same thing. But, you know, the thing, the thing about speech. I didn't give my goddamn speech, yep. which, you know, would have taken an entire year knowing me, you know, like I, all I do is talk and I don't really say anything. But <laughs> the thing I always liked about, uh, you know, like in the past, like working on New Year's Eve, it's like 
I've got a place to stand and I'm not crowded. Yep. You know, if I'm behind the bar. And I don't have to make plans. Yeah. That are inevitably going to be like a massive failure. Well, I think uh, the listener uh, will understand when I say this. You know, Blue Quarter is their first New Year's Eve, so it's mm, got no yeah. audience yet. You know, people like to go to the place that they go on New Year's Eve, and this place didn't exist last New as Year's Eve, like so the it's the not regular it's like not, routine. It's not the choice, right? Yeah. Um, and then Mori Margo, I think I've talked about it on, on the show, but I definitely talk about it all what, the time. Mori Margo? Yeah. Yeah, you, you might have <laughs> mentioned it. How difficult that particular bar is to sell on New Year's Eve. You know, well, it's a small space, so yes, but also it's just what we offer. You know, I yeah. tried for years to sell it out for for a lesser and lesser amount each year. I think I got all the way down to two thousand dollars, where I was like, you and nineteen friends, twenty people, two thousand bucks more for one cocktail, and you can have life. the place for nine from nine p.m. till I don't care four a.m. whenever you pass out, and no takers. And the reason is, even though like I'm the bitter guy, right? But I don't have nineteen friends who want to just drink bitter drinks all night long. You got so one. It's, so it's right a different hey, huh? but you usually behind your bar. That's true. So it's a real difficult place to sell. So we don't this year we just didn't try to do anything fancy. It was an, uh, just a regular Monday night service, no no frills. Um and frankly that's what it was, it was regular Monday night speed. So I was just there hanging out, chatting, saying hello to people, shaking hands. What do you do for the new year? Like as far as like like any kind of like self Oh, me personally? Yeah, like like, like I mean, I've made resolutions in the past, and many of them I've stuck to. Uh, you know, in 2000, my resolution was to drink water only, which I did for a year. And then 2001, my resolution was I could go back to alcohol, but only alcohol. So only since, alcohol. So no since, water. So since, two, <laughs> so since 2000, all I've had to drink is water and alcohol. So that's one that I did for forever. Yeah. Um, I try and, you know, I don't know, ex- assess myself. I don't know that I lay down resolutions, but I try and assess myself. And I don't say, either. Like, I think there was a there was you know, a point like many years ago where I read something about like uh you know like basically it was like a, a I want to say it was like Martha Stewart or Oprah or something like that like posted something about uh like putting all the good things like any kind of like accolade or any kind of like press write up or anything like that or just like writing down on a piece of paper like something really awesome that happened like you got to catch up with an old friend that you hadn't seen forever like you, you had lunch or whatever you write that down you throw all these things in a box and then like on new year's eve you like open it up and you start reading back through oh. all the like positive things that happened over the last year now that sounds like a really like kind of like fun and easy thing to do uh but like in the moment, you have to like really be adamant about yeah. writing that stuff down or like being sure to like preserve those things. And then throughout the year, like once you get to the end of it, you go through and you start reading all these things. And it actually, I started doing this like maybe seven or eight years ago. And then you look back on the year with all the positive yeah. vibes, and then that vibes it really you got to keep those vibes, baby. Um, but then it really motivates you to make the next year even more positive. Yeah. Wow. That's inspired. a great thing. Yeah. And so like, I wish you told me this a year ago, <laughs> maybe two. Well, well, you know what? Now you got it. Now you I can, know. now you can listen to the show. Cause last while you're year naked for me, for me, <laughs> for me, last year would have started in January. I was in, I was in Miami in January. That's when I was uh, given my award for mixologist of the year from wine enthusiast mm-hmm. magazine. That would have been, you know, number one in the box. Yeah. And then you came out with your book. And then my book and I opened up, two new bars and yeah a lot of crap exactly a lot of crap but yeah but what it does is it a lot actually, of positive crap but a lot of positive shit <laughs> but it motivates you for the next year you know what I mean? sure 
And it just kind I of mean, like... I, I, I don't think that's exactly what I do. I don't necessarily look back, but I do every year kind of take stock and look forward, you know, like what, what, yeah. where am I going to aim the, the, the mark for, for the coming year? And, you know, it is based on the, pre- the past year, but I don't think I've ever done it in such a tangible way. That's great. I'm going to do well, that. I'm going to start I, right now. That's exactly what it is. And, you know, like the thing is... I'm going to have with a shoebox with a little slips of paper in it. Yeah. Well, the thing is like you, like uh, most people when they make New Year's resolutions, it's always like... I'm going to work out more or I'm going to stop smoking or like, you know, like all those kinds of things that they end up not doing. So mm-hmm. it, 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 they end up being like, you know, when you get to the next New Year's Eve, you're like, oh, shit, I didn't do any of those things. Right. Suddenly it's a negative. And you start you focus on the things that you didn't do, those couple things that you didn't do that you say you're going to do instead of looking at all the things that you did do. All of right. your, like how many times did I go to Bargoto this past year? Like, that's a. You know, yeah, that's a. I'd like to <laughs> you know need a trophy number. for that. I'd like to know that number. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, enough about you and I. We got a guest in the studio today. We do. Our dear friend Amanda Witt, uh, coffee barista, cocktail nerd, former employee at Amoria Margo, current uh, <laughs> brand ambassador, bicycle enthusiast, artist. Hey, what else are you? Bunch of crap. Uh, I think you hit most of them. All right. <laughs> Perfect. Good show. Moving on. Anyway, yes. so we're going off. Welcome air next to the week. studio, Amanda. <laughs> Hello. Super glad to have you. You know, Damon asked off the air. He's like, "Oh, you've been on the show before," and kind of weirdly, I thought you had too, but you haven't. Your first time on our show. No. You've been in the studio for other shows. Yes. Because you, you've got a lot of stuff to say. Yes. As, um, we, as we can tell already. That's how I am. <laughs> um. So how was your New Year? Oh, my New Year's beautiful. Um, I was in Paris. Whoa. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's in France. It's a, <laughs> it's a really nice place. Um, I've been once. Yeah. It's pretty chill. It's pretty chill. chill. Good vibes. Yeah, chill. That's Good some vibes. great, you know, champagne. Were you, there, were you there for work or were you there for pleasure? I was there for pleasure. Nice. Yes. So you, spent, you, you, you were spent, drinking French champagne. I was drinking French champagne. <laughs> spent proper, French champagne, yes. You spent proper New Year's in, Fran- in Paris. Yes. You saw, like, fireworks by the Eiffel Tower. Not really, no. I mean, we were like in an apartment and a house party, so we tried to go out to the patio to see it, and then you realize, oh, yes, the street faces the opposite direction. Um, but, you know, I think after enough champagne, you're like, oh, but I think that one might be it. You can just yeah. Yeah, yeah. kind of make Tower. it up. It'll like, be yeah, there next great. year. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. It's not going anywhere. It's, uh, it's pretty sturdy. It's a pretty sturdy building, so I don't think it's going anywhere. Uh, the uh, Yeah, the most uh, work-related thing I did was research a lot of Genepi. That was really excellent. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Very Spent cool. a little bit of time in the Alps trying to see, you know, trying to unlock the secrets of Genepi and what that was and how it can help one get down a mountain yeah. on, a, on a snowboard. Wow. Yeah. What an exciting New Year's. It's great. Just Our rolled. lives suck. Yeah. I was just hanging out in the East Village, <laughs> not really doing anything, and you were in California. Was, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't looking at a damn thing. Except yeah. for, you know, I, I was with some good friends. Yeah, of course. And your brother. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is great. Um, Good friends, and then also my brother. <laughs> He's, <okay. laughs> He's all right. He's all right. He's fine. He's pretty chill. He's doing all right. Casual. Um, so let's talk about you some and your the trail that you've taken to be in this field that that we all share. You started as a barista in Seattle. Correct. Yes. Um, I mean, I actually started baristaing outside. I mean, of that's Olympia, like the ground zero of baristas. Right. Yes. Like, yeah, Seattle coffee. Yeah, so I started as a barista. Um, mostly, I mean, the easiest way to explain it is I was a barista while I was also a student in a getting a liberal arts degree. 
And uh, I looked around the cafe I was working at and everyone else, I was working on my undergrad, everyone else I worked with had in their hands one if not two master's degrees and were also baristas. Uh, so I was like, how can I keep going to school if this is the case? Like, I love history, I love researching, you know. And then I ended up kind of finding those fulfilling things that I was loving about my, you know, liberal arts disciplines within coffee, you know, that like that same research, the same, you know, kind of taking your elements from, you know, beginning to end, rooting them in, you know, a historical context with the cafe and how the cafe has meant different things over the years. Um, and then, yeah, so that's how I started baristing. Um, I moved from... Seattle to New Orleans yeah, what, to what, let's slow down. <laughs> what made you decide to move from Seattle to New Orleans as a as a barista? Oh boy! Were you like, man, let's go make some chicory coffee at Cafe Du Monde? <laughs> so, eat some liars donuts with the locals. Uh, I showed up about a about two years too early to actually be employed at a specialty cafe, but I went down there with the hopes of a friend and I opening something that kind of was more in that specialty coffee vein. Um, and you know, in the interim, when you say two years too early, you mean it just hadn't happened yet. It just hadn't happened yeah, yet. Right. Yeah. Uh, there was actually a place, I think, I think it was called velvet. Um, I'd have to look it up that actually moved two months after I left new Orleans. Uh, so your timing was, off. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, sometimes you're just, uh, sometimes you're just too cool for your own good to, uh, <laughs> to ahead of the time. Misunderstood genius ahead of her time. <laughs> uh, so you bounced out of new Orleans, then you went. To here, New York. No, oh. uh, I went to Philadelphia first. Uh, in Philadelphia, I actually um, did help uh, a group of people. There used to be a cafe there called uh, Spruce Street oh, Espresso. Hold on. I'm not going to knock Philadelphia. He said as he just prepared to knock Philadelphia. <laughs> but who's who's living in New Orleans and says to themselves, "You know what? Fuck it, I'm, I'm going, going to, to Philadelphia." Philadelphia. <laughs> well, the, where they make the cream cheese, right? I'm leaving. The, the, I'm leaving po' boys and muffalettas behind for the cheesesteak sandwich. Yeah. yeah. You're going from king cake to, to bagels. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. The, 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 don't, don't fucking knock Philly. Philly's yeah. fucking rad as hell. It is rad. Yeah. But New it's Orleans rad. is radder. I mean, um, New Orleans. Wow. I was, wow. You, well, because you used to live in New Orleans. I did, yes. So you've got some allegiance. Yes. Gentlemen. Yes, yes. Let the lady speak. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I will say the um, the time when I the time when I moved down to New Orleans, another time that or another challenge of it was it was the year after the BP oil spill, mm. and so the amount of jobs in the job market for hospitality was uh, not tanking. Yeah, it was it was, it was oh, tanked. Oh man, there was not. Oh, <laughs> yikes! Um, there was just not the there was just not the work there available that there would. Uh, later be in the hospitality industry. So at the time when I was there, there just wasn't year-round work, um, especially as someone who is not from the area, was just not a uh, possibility, and I hadn't saved enough to stay through the summer. So my idea originally was to move up to Philly, you know, work work these jobs, and then potentially move back at some point. You were treating Philly as a seasonal break, mm-hmm. and you were going to go back. Yes. So again, you're weirdly ahead of your slot in New Orleans. You were ahead of the, the game that you wanted to play being there, and then you were ahead of the, the game that was played there being viable. Wow. Uh, so you spent some time in Philly, still barista. Yes, still a barista. Um, helped the uh, owners of Spruce Street Espresso open a new cafe called Oddfellows, mm-hmm. uh, which was really awesome, um, trying to mix the coffee service by day and then food and beverage by night, uh, fully BYO, as is... Um, very characteristic for Philly. Uh, it's very common 
Because of the the state liquor laws? Yeah, state liquor laws. Yeah. Uh, very expensive to get a uh, liquor license, but very easy to be a BYO. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, we first and foremost had invested in kind of the coffee and the coffee program. Uh, so I was working down there. Um, that was a really long and arduous opening, kind of came to a natural conclusion. And when I did that, I popped on the, you know, the beautiful internet, the Facebook. It's like, dear Facebook, I need a job. And uh, our mutual friend, Sam Lewinton, called me and asked me if I would like to be part of the opening of the Everyman Espresso in Soho. How did you know Sam at that point? Uh, I knew him from Seattle. Uh, we had, right. yes, we had been baristas together. Coffee plus bikes. Co- coffee yes. maker. Yeah, both coffee, coffee nerds and bike well, nerds. Well, Sam, Sam Panics uh, and Sam Lewinton, wait, which one of them was on and one of them wasn't the show? Sam. Sam was on. Yeah. Movie <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, it was Sam. Sam was got it. Anyway, from Everman Espresso, great espresso here yeah. in the city. So you came to help them up, and at that time, that was their second location. I think they have three now. Yes. Um, and that was just a really wonderful, um, kind of transformative experience. Uh, there I got really serious into the coffee. Um, I competed for the first time. So I uh, competed in the um, United States Brewers' Cup. Um, and then also the Big Eastern Brewers' Cup, which are both the pour-over coffee competitions that are run by our trade organization, the USBC, um, which unlike uh, the liquor industry in um, coffee, most of your large competitions are actually run by trade bodies mm-hmm. uh, rather than being run by brands, which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, mm. And then I just, you know, at some point had wandered into Amoria Margo and made friends with Souther. Hey, and, uh, that's the- me. Uh, the previous uh, the previous head of the Double Buzz Coffee Cocktail Program, Natalie Check. Uh, I thought you knew her before you knew me. Um, I did. I knew her just around just from being around coffee. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, at some point they decided to let me work at Amoria Margo. Which, uh, for Double Buzz. Yeah. Oh, no, well, she, she worked for Double Buzz, but then we had her on shifts at the bar as well. But, but, but I wanted to talk about Double Buzz. Oh yeah, of course. Oh yes. Late, late, uh, you can talk about Double Buzz. You know more about it than I do. Frankly, I was just in the kitchen. <laughs> So I uh, locked Souther in the kitchen so he wouldn't yeah. be... So. Every Saturday is Monday for yeah. 18 months of my life. It was great. Um, I ate very well during yeah. those 18 months. Yeah, just the two of us, really. Like. So explain Double Buzz. What was that situation? Because it wasn't it integrating the, the coffee with the, yes. the spirits. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Double Buzz, the whole concept is it was a coffee cocktail program. Um there was no interest in having brunch at Amoria Margo, but there was an interest in seeing what the space could do um, being open during the day. Uh, and when you pair something that is inherently bitter like coffee um, and, you know, all of the bitters that you have on hand, you can create these really incredible cocktails because you have these, like, really interesting and profound layers of flavors um, with those ingredients. So kind of stick and true to the Amoria Margo, no juice, no shaking, um, but just adding one more bitter element. Uh, this one, though, being an upper rather than a downer. Yeah, and we, yeah. I always said it was, you know, Amaro's a buzz, coffee's a buzz, double buzz. Yeah, for and sure. And, yeah, our, our ethos was definitely like, well, our hashtag was fuck brunch. We offered a couple of snacks, but the idea was this is a, this is a drinking service with some snacks, not an eating service with some drinks. Yeah, for sure. And I brought Amanda in because uh, Natalie was kind of running out of her time of wanting to be there and I needed someone to continue the thing because I wanted to make it work um, and you know I think you had come in and 
subbed for her when she needed some time off or I don't know how it all yes. began, but there that started. But also that's when I realized, I'm going to jump in a little, that's when I realized like, oh man, because now that would be my second one because Natalie was a barista as well. But that's when I realized, oh man, baristas make the best bartenders, right? Because you take someone... They always show up early. You take Yeah, exactly. You take someone who's used to getting up early, <laughs> dealing with people who want a specific thing exactly their way and kind of quickly, right? Um, being pretty grumpy because it's early in the morning, and then not really leaving a lot of extra money on the tables, aka tips, gratuity, etc. Uh, you take that person who's already got the skills of operating a small counter-style space and making drinks, and you put them behind a bar where then they do get money from people? Man, these are grateful employees for a long time. Yeah. True, true or not true? I would say true. And also, they have you have all that skill. Like, you've yeah. got that, like... Speed, execution, motivation, uh, consistency, cleanliness, like in, in a small space. So, like, baristas, baristas, you guys want to hey, be bartenders? Hit me up. Have, have I ever told you my story about my coffee situation and how I came to work with Stumptown? No. I know you don't drink coffee or anything anymore, well, though. not anymore. No caffeine. No caffeine. Crisp and clean. Here's the thing. So, back in the day, in the very early days of Prime Meats, when uh, we opened for uh, daytime service, you know, I'd walk into a bar, I'd walk into the bar at like three o'clock and start like kind of like resetting up the mise en place and everything to set up the bar. Like we had like a daytime cocktail menu, which is pretty much like, like old fashions, Manhattans, that kind of stuff. But then the full cocktail menu went live around like three or four. I can't remember. But anyway, so we had. You know, baristas who got there at 7 o'clock in the morning. Oof. Uh, or, you know, we opened at 7 o'clock in the morning. You could get a Manhattan and a, a Cote de Boeuf at 7 a.m. Ding, ding. And I definitely did it a couple times. <laughs> but, uh, and it was really awesome because, like, a lot of the, you know, the local bartenders would show up, like, after their shift. Sure. And come get steaks and old fashions and shit at 7 a.m. It's awesome. That is awesome. Anyway, so one day I get there. I've already got a full bar. People like already kind of like settling in, drinking and stuff. I'm showing up trying to set up the rest of the bar, you know, from the daytime kind of like minor setup. And uh, the barista left for the day and uh, kind of sucked because someone came in and they ordered a uh, like a latte to go. And I go to make it, but. They didn't restock the cups or the lids or the sleeves or the straws. Like the hopper was empty, like the coffee bean hopper and everything. So I had to like run around and grab all this stuff, restock it, and then like make this beautiful rosette on top of the the to go cup latte and everything. And I, you know, presented the check on a like a silver, like yeah. an antique silver check presenter and all this stuff. And uh, and the customer was like nice and appreciative, but. Literally, I I literally got nickel and dimed. Like yeah, someone just grabbed all the change out of their ashtray in their car and just threw it on. The, like some of it was spilling off the tray, and like it was like something like I think it was like three fifty was the bill, and they left me like three twenty five. Didn't even so get shorted shit, you, shorted me, <laughs> and like left like sugar like thrown everywhere, and like the stirred like they stirred up their latte, which I'm like, why would you do that? It's yeah. already part of the coffee. And like, just made an entire mess, shortchanged me, all this shit. And meanwhile, I'm like, I'm going through more steps to do this fucking coffee than mm-hmm. I am to like make old fashions and Manhattans for all these people 
who are like actually going to tip me and like right. and I've got a full bar and I've got this one person getting it to go coffee and being kind of a dick. Yeah. So like I I the experience I was, tell, I was talking to uh, Dwayne Sorensen from Stumptown about this and he's like, "All right. You're totally right. Like the the shift of like the way things work and like obviously it's changed since then, but like he's like, "All right, I want you to write a training manual for Stumptown." Because they were about to open up the Ace Hotel in Midtown. He's like, why don't you write the training manual? So I did it based on the Harry Johnson's Bartender's Guide oh, for nice. Hotels and Restaurants. And uh, so they use that for Stumptown ever since. Amazing. Yeah. Let's shift but, our focus. But the thing is, what what I'm saying, before we should focus, is the the way that the, like, the mentality of, of making like a coffee and in making a cocktail it's the same thing with different ingredients yes but incorporating these two into the double buzz just makes all the sense in the world correct you know it would seem to and everybody loved the idea not a lot of people showed up okay yeah. gotcha <laughs> the, uh, i think uh, it was think, too early i think some of the achilles achilles heel of it was <laughs> all the bartenders that i was like man we're gonna mix amaro and coffee they were all like oh man, that's amazing and all the baristas were like oh my god we're gonna mix coffee and amaro that sounds amazing but then the baristas had to be at work at that time and the bartenders were still asleep <laughs> exactly um, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors hopefully including uh, the Naked Chef Jamie Oliver we'll come right back and we're going to talk to Amanda Witt about what she's doing now with Tamworth Distilling and she's got a couple of bottles here on the table we're going to taste some juice we'll be right back This episode is presented by The Green Grape, a family of three businesses on Fulton Street committed to supporting small-scale farms, celebrating seasonality, and delighting our customers. Order local, pasture-raised meats and cheeses to pair with our selection of fine wines and spirits, and we'll deliver it to your door at no extra charge. From great local gifts to providing you all you need for a delicious meal, The Green Grape offers truly special and hard-to-find products created by New York's community of local makers. Support independent grocers and our site to learn more. Visit greengrape.com. That's green with an E. G-R-E-E-N-E-G-R-A-P-E.com. You know I can't whistle. You, you can't whistle? I'm not able to whistle. Like it, it, you know, you know, certain people cannot whistle. Yeah, really. And that's the fucked up thing is like whenever I say I can't whistle, people whistle. People start whistling. <laughs> is this like? Have you seen the Peppa Pig clip? Oh man, yeah. <laughs> I can't whistle. Anyways. Anyway, so we're back in we anyway. it. Yes. <laughs> You're listening to the Speakeasy. We have our friend Amanda Witt in the studio, and we were talking about making coffee, getting buzzed. Yes. And. Uh, I get to see Amanda fairly often at my bar at Grand Army, and she always brings by these great products that I'm a huge fan of uh, from Tamworth Distillery, which is it's like spinning. You're spinning. Yes. Oh no! Well, it's maybe my... you should slow down. Yeah, I think <laughs> we've, we've got a challenging bottle. I brought something that's been uh, I've been kind of hiding and keeping. Uh, now I'm touching Souther's spit bottle. <laughs> it's great. I mean, it's um, the catch is spinning. It's not coming off. Interesting. Um, 
Well, hey, this might this might be something for uh, us to taste at a later date, but good thing I brought two. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about what you're doing, first of all. Not physically, okay. but what you're doing. What are you doing? You're working for Tamworth Distilling. T- tell us about them. Okay, so Tamworth T- Distilling is a really amazing... Uh, and they're based out of... Tamworth, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so New Hampshire. One of the, uh, the kind of a difficult... Uh, we were talking about like state-controlled like liquor uh, situations. New Hampshire is a pretty difficult one. Correct. My friend Sarah, she owns a bar called 815 oh, yeah. Provisions. She sent us a bottle of whiskey. Yeah, she sent us a bottle of whiskey. And she was saying that, like, I was it, like last year or the year before, they just got chartreuse. Wow. Yeah. Brutal. So to have this cool craft distillery making, based out of New Hampshire. Making cool craft things. Really cool. Yes. Tell us all about it. So the distillery is kind of inseparable from the land that it is on. Uh, Tamworth, uh, one thing that we really spend a lot of time focusing on is um, hand-forged ingredients, ingredients that we can find or grow near the distillery. Um, a lot of the grains that we are using, um, while we are not getting any from New Hampshire State yet, we are getting a lot from upstate New York, um, so fairly close as well. Um, and then just in general, um, you know, we make a lot of gins um, with with said botanicals. We make um, a new line, which has been really amazing. I brought today the Blue Lion. Yeah. Which is a uh, chicory amaro. Yep. Um, So I thought this one would kind of tie together, you know, talking about the coffee, talking about moving into cocktails, because Blue Line was the first uh, collaboration that the distillers and I were able to do together. Um, So you had a hand in this? Yes. Rad. How long have you been with the company? Um, I've been with them for about two and a half years. I started as part-time, just brand ambassador, and then kind of... The way that I am is just kind of, uh, you know, ingratiated myself more and more into being involved in more aspects of the business. Sure. Um, I've always been really interested in how how the liquids get created. Um, that's always been very interesting to me. Um, you know, from like the time of, you know, tasting and trying Amaro, I was like, how do you make that? So, uh, yeah, that's, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of been the path there. So uh, tell me how that even transpired. You were working with them with some of these other products you just listed. They make a gin, they make a whiskey, they make some other things. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, hey, we're thinking about making it tomorrow. And you're like, I've got some experience with tomorrow. Uh, so they had started saying that um, Matt and Jamie had wanted to make a product with chicory. And um, it was kind of our collaboration that I had brought up the idea of what if instead of this being more of a, you know, a chicory spirit. So like a, chi- you know thinking of it more like a chicory whiskey is that we think of it more as a chicory amaro. So something that not just would be able to be drank by itself, of course, which amaro is good at, but also being able to be mixed like an amaro. So chicory is just a bitter green that's used in, in ran- randomly, we're talking about this in coffee and also randomly that you lived in New Orleans and so did I, in yes. coffee in New Orleans specifically. Yeah. Um, it's the, it's the root that's most often used as a right. bittering agent um, in ingredients like this, but yes. But your product that you're about to taste us on, Yes. Can you get the lid off of that one? I can. Okay, good. <laughs> I got the lid off the other one while you were talking. Yes. Um, so this doesn't have any coffee pr- profile to it. It's uh, just no. the bitter chicory and some other botanicals, I'm sure, that you may or may not be able to tell us about. Yes. Um, yeah, so primarily, yeah, chicory, a lot of kind of earthy herbs. Let me grab you a cup. Oh. There you go. Um. Cool. I'll pour. You talk. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, and that uses um, roasted chicory, which gives it that kind of earthy flavor, and also the unroasted chicory, which is what gives it the bitterness. Um, this is actually in a cocktail currently at Grand Army. Oh! Yes. yes. 
mm-hmm. you chime in. You're always chiming in. Because I, you He's know, a big chimer. I, I talk too much, so I was, I was given a little room in the show. That's right. Yeah. And it's been really, um, you know, when we develop things like this, it's uh, the creativity of, you know, what Matt and Jamie kind of have at their disposal. They both grew up in New Hampshire. They know about things that grew there, things that they can get, and they have just this, like, incredible wealth of knowledge. Um, and it's kind of like when I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking about what they have, what they can create, and also, you know, what friends who have these incredible innovative bars down here, you know, like Amor, like Grand Army, like what they would want to use and what they would want to taste and what they would want to experience. So that's my uh, corporate spiel. Good job. <laughs> I love it. Nailed it. Yeah. It's so good. Like They should be proud of you. Also, I just like <laughs> the word chicory. It's just fun to say. It is. And chicory it's a beautiful flower. Up. Like, mm-hmm. look at that blue. Yeah. I, I don't think I ever knew that it had a big old blue flower. You know, mm-hmm. as a chef, definitely use the greens. Uh, as a Amaro guy, definitely know about the root. I don't think I ever noticed it had a flower. Um, so... These guys are locals up there. They've been there all, the, all their lives. They know the botanicals of the area. Mm-hmm. But still, what made them say, hey, we're making gin, we're making whiskey, well, let's make an Amaro? Uh, so was that, that you? Were you pushing that? or? Um, that was, yeah. I was definitely had a part in kind of pushing that to be, you know, because we had originally had, they had the tamarind cordial. Oh, which right. is um, amazing. Really very yeah, cool. The Von Humboldt's tamarind cordial is one of our products. Um, it's probably our best selling, I mean, it is our best selling product in New York. Um, and it is a... Uh, you know, it's a low ABV tamarind cordial that is um, inspired by the travels of Alexander von Humboldt, who is a uh, 18th century explorer. Um, so they're just kind of, they just kind of think of these things are very off the wall. Like these, like the associations and the kind of correlations that happen in their mind are pretty wild, you know. Um, and a lot of this is coming from uh, the founder of Tamarind Distilling is Steve Grass. Uh, he's one of these people who's very ubiquitous in the spirits industry, but not in a way where um, a lot of people know his name, but they do know his work. Mm. Uh, so, for example, um, the concept behind Hendrix Gin was a thing that he developed uh, with William Grants. Um, the uh, or in the age ruby and rhubarb, um, those beautiful farm bottles were products that uh, when he was able to sell that line, that's when he was able to break down and build this distillery. Got it. So, um, yeah, he's just very um, ubiquitous in the industry and the things that he has consulted on and helped with. Um, and he has this really clear, like, kind of vision of these brands and, like, kind of how to make them, you know, really interesting and full and complete. So. All right. You having fun working for them? I do, yeah. Yeah. They're, um, yeah, they're really great people. Um, it's just such a great team. Maura is my um, immediate boss, one of the easiest people to kind of talk to and um, relate to. I'd never seen myself as someone who would move into a brand ambassador role. That was not you know, my, like my path or my goal in becoming a bartender. So, uh, when it happened, it was like perfect to happen with these people, you know, I'd pause you there though and say, was it your plan to become a bartender? Well, no. (laughs) Right. So you're just, you know, I wouldn't call you a leaf in the wind by any means, but you're, you're open and receptive to opportunities when they arise and you take them on and you excel. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I I would say, yeah, this, uh, yeah, (laughs) I mean, so it wouldn't, well, you know, and I will be clear, like, the, um, you know, my entry into craft co- the cocktail world was because of being able to get trained and have the experience I did working with you, Adam and ah. Margo. So thank you so much for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can only do so much and then you have to do the rest on your own. So you did it yourself too. So thanks for that. Um, I'm going to be humble. Um, this stuff is delicious. It tastes very much to me on its own uh, as we're having it now in a, in a little glass neat. Um, it's kind of chilly here in the studio, so it's kind of cool. It's cooler than like a room temperature spirit. It, it's kind of got this, 
and Damon can say yes or no because he, he no, you lost drink. me at Humboldt and grass. You used to drink a lot of tea. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, sorry, yeah, but, but it tastes like, very tea-like, right? Yeah, it's like it's somewhere between coffee and tea, which is like like I mean, but the, really the only like the coffee part is because of like drinking New Orleans coffee with like chicory involved in, but it, it's definitely more like a black tea, like a really yeah. strong black tea. Yeah, which like I a, love. It's like a second or, or not second brew, but like a double or triple brewed. Black tea, yeah. It's even yeah. got a little like hint of sweetness on the finish, florality on the nose. Like, I dig it. Yeah, or like a black tea, I'm, like left it left on the counter a little while, you know. Yeah, totally. <laughs> How many states are you guys in now? Uh, we are currently in. Um, I'm going to count as I go. We're um, in Pennsylvania. We're in New York. Uh, we are in New Hampshire, of course. Um, I think we just launched in Maine, and then we are in Boston, so in Massachusetts. So cool. we have uh, five states. Um, we do have a cap on our production, so, you know, we kind of have this, you know, what we make for the year is what we can make, um, and then we just kind of are very, you know, is, is both that, like aware and selective with how we uh, sell around. That cap on production, is that imposed upon you by the state, or is that your choice? Um, that is the um, the size of our still. Oh, so okay, there you go. Yeah. So it's so your we, choice based mm-hmm. on the size of your equipment. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, so, like, just, just for, like, a lot of our listeners out there, is there any way for... Anyone to order online oh, yes. uh, and get them, so, like, say, like, our buddy Paul Finn in yeah, Texas, Texas, you know, Texas, at the garage. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you have a, um, if you are living in a state where you can get things shipped to you, uh, we have, um, the majority of our line is available through warehousewines.com, um, cool. and they can ship to you um, any state that they're legally allowed to, so. Cool. Yeah. Warehousewines.com. Yes, yeah, very easy, very simple. Never even heard of um, it. Yeah. Also, if you go to our, um, you know, tamworthdistilling.com, um, it'll send you links to all of our, uh, you know, we have our maps. So if you live somewhere where we can sell, we, yeah. we'll show you where. What do you think the growth program or what do you know the growth pr- program is like for for this distillery? Like as far as like, you know, you're in five states now. Mm-hmm. What Do you have any projections for getting out there? Like, like, pr- like uh, upping production? Um, um, I know that that is, um, that's like a more complicated question than I think I'm personally able to answer. I know that there is a, uh, you know, there are sites on, um, for us, it's kind of, as I mentioned before, our founder also, um, also works with other companies. So a lot of what we do is, um, you know, it really does end up like playing as a proof of concept for, um, for that side of the business. Um, yeah. So there isn't as much worry of, oh, we need to increase our case sales, we need to increase our well, bottle sales. Well, also, like, the, the products that you guys make, which are awesome, they're they're kind of... They're super universal, I've found, with using these products. But they're also, like, so unique. So, yeah. like, like, it kind of, like... It's one of those situations where it's like, all right, it's super unique, so you don't really understand how to project it, like the growth of sales for that, right? Right. Because you're like just doing cool, weird shit. You but know? I think it, it sounds yeah. really smart but that they're sounds, taking the approach of we, we're, we're going to make as much as we can make, which isn't much, yeah, and exactly. we'll grow organically from there. Like if we if we get to the place where we got to buy a new still, we'll install a new still. But yeah. until then, we'll make as much as we can make, and we'll sell it. That's what I love about this. You know, like yeah, to, it's smart. It's a smart program. To me, this is like one of the situations where you know, like especially based out of New Hampshire, which, like, as we mentioned before, like, there there aren't, you don't have the access because of state liquor laws to, like, all these, 
even things like chartreuse, you know, until very recently. Um, but you don't have, like, with a lot of these different states, you don't have access to, like, the crazy weird shit. And you guys are making the crazy weird shit. Right. You oh, know? exactly. If we and can't get it, we'll make our own. Yeah, yeah. totally. And so it's also I think very, it's, it makes it special, you know? Yeah, and I think it's really wonderful, too, as uh, the distillery is... Um, you know, when we say Tamworth is a small town, like there is, this is not an exaggeration. Um, there's this, the town has the still. They have a small community theater, which people come from out of the area to perform in. Uh, there is a farmer's market. And then there is a cafe. And the cafe is owned by Steve, who also owns the, dis- the distillery. It's a small town. So when you look at how the distillery and how the cafe is able to you know, draw people into the area and also help people who, you know, a lot of people my age, if they want to move back to a small town, their employment options are very limited. And that's usually one of the things that prevents them from doing so. Like, this is a way that we were able to, like, create some jobs for folks who maybe, you know, want to go back, like want to live in the area where they grew up. But, you know, maybe not necessarily, you know, they may not necessarily have a job otherwise. So this was another, like, really excellent thing about the distillery that I really loved is seeing how it's kind of created, um, a community around it in Tamworth. So sure. Now, are you the only person in your position with them, being um, that they're so small? Uh, so the only um, I'm like the ambassador. Only, what is your role called? I don't even uh, know. Brand ambassador. So I am yeah. the uh, New York brand ambassador. We also have uh, Brett up in Boston, um, and he is um, doing um, my job. He's doing my job up there. You know, doing his sales, doing the visits, um, and then I think, and then we have someone in the st- for the state of New Hampshire. So just three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, tiny. It's pretty rad. Okay, so I cracked open this other bottle that's got a mm-hmm. different liquid in it. There's no label on it uh, to, mm-hmm. to speak of, really. There's something on there, but it's handwritten. Yes. What you got for us? Uh, so this is the Eau de Musk. Eau uh, de Musk. This, is this perfume? Uh, is this... Uh, do I put this behind my ear or on my tongue? Um, <laughs> mm. This was in the news a bit recently. Oh, really? For yes. what? Yes. Uh, so it is... I'm going to let you guys taste it first. Okay, cool. Um, it has a little bit of a controversial ingredient in it. Controversial? Uh-oh. Am I getting dosed? Mm. <laughs> I've already dosed Unfortunately, myself. no. <laughs> uh, so it is a uh, essentially a blend of uh, whiskey, uh, flower honey, and uh, castorium, which is the... Uh, um, it's actually a, um, a gland that is uh, harvested from beavers. Oh, the beaver gland whiskey. Yeah. Yes, I read about this in the uh, in the news of the weird. I've never heard of this. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is uh, this is the Adamask. It's a um, so Tamworth. We're looking through history of um, you know beaver trapping has been you know part of the Northeast for sure. a long time, and uh, there continues to have to uh, be folks who are culling populations of beaver around um, around the areas because you know they are. Prolific builders, so they will flood your parking lots, flood your house. Sure, they become a nuisance. Yeah, they're, you know, nuisance. So we um, partnered with someone who's contracted through the state to um, to trap these beavers and uh, decided to make a spirit using um, using these glands. What's it called again? Say the name. Um, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. Castorium. Castorium, all right. Um, and it is... Uh, Look it up, people. Historically, it was used as the... Um, uses like a like a peach or a fruit essence... Um, in order to back those up in perfumes, in food, it's still, you know, listed when you see things like that say natural flavor on it, this can be listed as a natural flavor. Um, so it's one of those things that you have definitely had and drank before, ate before. 
Um, and we were just very transparent about what it was and what it was made out of. Rad. Yeah. yeah. I'm into it. It actually smells like... Uh, it smells real floral and honey is it, what I got off the nose. It smells like, like fresh tobacco leaves. Oh my God, you're right. You know, like, I used to live it in... It kind of tastes like Perique. I used to live in Durham, North Carolina, and it smells like, it smells like any day that it rained there. Yeah, mm. exactly. Holy cow, you're totally right. Very so, visceral yeah. memory for me yeah. right away. I got uh, that old factory shit. Yeah. I got, that, <laughs> I got that old factory shit. That old factory <laughs> shit. Yeah. So, you know, nothing like sipping on some uh, nut set whiskey with your friends. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, just trapping beavers I'm pretty in sure my mouth. There might still be some available at warehousewine.com. Got a little beaver in my mouth. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I don't know what you're saying. That's we're live radio, bro. <laughs> so this is are you. You're making enough for this to go on market and get it an actual label, or? Uh, yeah. So this is actually what we yeah, had I, left from last year. Was, it was sold. It sold out pretty much immediately last it sold year. Sold out really fucking fast. Yeah. I mean, people are down with the beaver. Yeah, they just want to know. <laughs> they yeah, I mean, just want to know. They just want to get involved, man. Um, the uh, going back to that, it's like, like what I was saying before. You know, like what I was asking about before is like as far as like the production levels that you have like is it i mean if you can't if you're like like supreme doing like a a sneaker like release that's like limited like everyone wants that shit so is it kind of like the same situation is it a hindrance or is it like an advantage for the brand to make such small runs of this stuff and have it be so sought after yeah i know that i've got like Hmm. i've been i've been rocking your shit and cocktails at my bar for years now and like You've been able to keep up with the production, like especially on the, the mm-hmm. tamarind. You yeah. Know? But like the chicory, like we definitely use that in the cocktail. We don't, I think it's like a half ounce in the cocktail. Yeah. Things yeah. like this a little goes a long there. way. Yeah. Yeah. So like I was just wondering, like, because I don't think we've really run into a situation where we've uh, run out yet, but like it must be like on a, on a bigger scale, it must be hard to keep up with. I mean, I guess that's why you're only in five states. Yeah, absolutely. And also it's like when I go to, you know, go to approach about, you know, getting my new placements, doing these things, it's also being very strategic about, you know, I'm not the kind of rep that's in 30 bars in a day. You know, I am going into, you know, I do that without even repping. (laughs) You would. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I'm like going in, being very selective and also knowing, okay, if I have, you know, my blue line, I have this amount for the year, how much, you know. You know, and I know that I'm going to have a couple of these big depletion accounts. I maybe won't be trying to push this on meetings with other folk, you know, and that's also just to like sure, kind of keep an eye. You have a relatively close understanding of your supply limit, mm-hmm. so you don't shove it on everybody because then you'll be shorting everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Like if everybody wants it, then no one's getting it. Yeah, but absolutely. Yeah. To uh, to Damon's question about, you know, kind of this, uh, you know, I don't really think that we as a distillery participate in drop culture. Uh, per right. se, the way that like something like Supreme does, but there's definitely <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, similar. I don't know why you brought that up, um, but definitely to say like you know when we do have something like this where it is small, it's like you know a smaller production, and it will it will sell out really fast, and it's because of you know spending the time to generate that curiosity to have these conversations, you know. Well, and the the the, the time you've already spent as a company instilling trust, you know, like mm-hmm. people trust that when you make something, it's going to be good, even if it sounds weird. Yeah. So if you make a small amount, people are especially buy because it. it sounds weird. Maybe that too, Actually, right? Yeah. That's why I like it. Well, that's I like, I like that's, to get weird that's, and stay that way. <laughs> we all are aware of you, your predilections towards the weird. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Well, it's pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, I it's delicious. I'm sad to hear that it's not out there because I'd like to. 
and the, uh, you know, I can't really talk about it too much yet, but I'm working on a new project that's all about American whiskeys, and that sounds as American as it can be. American whiskey with some beaver <laughs> gland in it. Yeah, man. <laughs> right, we make a riff on the monkey gland using this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Goodness. Um, goodness, indeed. Uh, well, let's do some quick plugging. Okay. Uh, where can you be reached? Um, I can be reached uh, if you want to get get in touch with me. You could visit our website. Uh, .com. Uh You can reach out to me on Twitter at uh, I Make Your Coffee or at Instagram at Make Your Own Coffee with the letters U R. <laughs> I can, make your uh, coffee. Make your own coffee. Yeah. Make up your mind. <laughs> it's a uh, it's it's been it's been a complicated career, you know. Um, and then also you can find me. I'm the uh, only Amanda Witt on Facebook that's holding liquor in their in their uh, profile photo. Profile photo. So Witt, I'm easy to H find. W H I T T Amanda Correct. Witt. Yes. Um, well, man, it's been really great having you on the show today, and thanks yeah. for bringing yeah. us these treats. Thank you for and having open me. our eyes to beaver glands, beaver gland beaver whiskey <laughs> that smells like wet, fresh tobacco. I think <laughs> nothing about faintly everything you just said is offensive to me. Yeah, no, it's been a great show. Whiskey, beaver gland, fresh tobacco. Let's do Amanda it. Amanda That's oh, we use like a all my favorite words. Poker table, maybe, and some coat de boeuf. <laughs> Let's do it. Motorcycle. I don't anyway, know. So, I have my motorcycle. <laughs> All right. That, well, this has been a, a fantastic day. Thanks so much again for coming on the show. Uh, check out Tamworth. Uh, really cool, innovative stuff coming out of a place where you might not expect it to come from uh, based on, you know, certain liquor laws and yeah. our <laughs> weird government and state controlled stuff. But it's uh, really. Uh, Heavily showcased at my bar at Grand oh, Army. Oh, yeah. Uh, so if you're in New York area, ever oh, come by I, and swing by. Can yeah. I plug one more thing? Yeah. Plug if it. you're in the, if you're in the sure. city of Philadelphia, we do, um, at the Art and the Age store, uh, we have a lot of our products available in their tasting room as well. Also a very cool uh, line of spirits. Uh, yes. Yeah. And bar tools and, uh, yeah, books. Yeah. Amazing stuff. But, yeah, the Art and the Age store down in Philly. Another Art, place to yeah. see us and Art taste it. in the age in Philadelphia. Correct. Yeah, and of course, Amori Margo's got the blue line on the back bar. Um, and I think we have the tamarind still at Mother Pearl, no? Uh, yes, yeah. correct. Uh, hey, so, so your stuff's out there. People are drinking it. Uh, maybe they don't even know they're drinking it, but I uh, hope they've been educated and edified yeah. a little bit today. Go find yeah. it. Check it out. Um, it. We've got some other stuff to plug. Uh, so you're going to be down at San Antonio Cocktail. I leave tomorrow. Yes, I'm going yeah. down there to talk about... Um, uh, how you shouldn't give anything away for free, shouldn't comp anything. Um, I know that sounds like a harsh line to stand on, but I've got a lot of psychological reasons yeah. and proof to back that up. Um, you're, you're, you, in the end, you literally take something away when you give something for free. Yeah. Um, and you don't want to take anything away from your guests. For so. sure. Yeah, you're going to be down there with a lot of our friends. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make it uh, this year. But uh, our buddy Paul Finn, yep. friend of the show, he's going to be... Giving uh, from the garage in, yep, in Austin, great Texas, guy. Uh, doing his class on uh, on uh, personal mise en place, and which a lot, a lot what, of, personal mise en place, which he's talking about, like how to get your kind of life together, get your get insurance in line, get get get. Yeah, like I, he I, talked I, about it on the show when we had him on. Yeah, some, and some I have to back. give him uh, a, a, a mountain of thanks because he, you know, uh, even though I am a business owner and uh, and, and a brand ambassador for Brooklyn Gin, like. I work for, I work for and run and with small companies yep. that don't necessarily have like the ability to uh, 
insure its employees. Insure its employees. And, yeah. and Paul Finn definitely, he shepherded me through the whole process of uh, getting health insurance, which I haven't had for a few years. So Amazing. Big, big thanks to you, Paul. Highly yeah. recommend going to his classes. At the same time as mine, so you have to flip a coin. Yeah. You could, um, but, what, you know, you can probably... There's re- an app for that. You can probably rely on the fact that... Uh, <laughs> yeah, flip a Fernet coin. Yes. Maybe. You can probably rely on the fact that uh, uh, that you'll hear all about my class after after this show, uh, on this show, um, yeah. whereas his may not get, get as much of an audience. So, you know, honestly, hedge your bets and go to his. <laughs> that was very kind of you in a weird, the weirdest way. A high tide raises all boats. That's I don't, true. You know, let's that all go true. down and learn some stuff at San Antonio Cocktail Conference. I'm yeah. looking forward to going down there. I'm actually going to be staying with, you remember Charlie Manhattan who was on the show? Oh, yeah, of course. I'm staying at his place. Uh, he just got married and was just here last, last uh, two weeks ago, over New Year's. He was here on his honeymoon. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, with Dana Lynn, his new wife, bride, his new bride. Um, anyhow, all right, so uh, that's all I've got. Uh, we've got some cool guests coming up in the future. Simon Ford's going to be on the show. Um, we've got the, the future's bright. 2019, future's man. Future's looking good. It's looking good. All right. Um, well, I guess that's it for the speakeasy this week. Thank you to Amanda Witt. Thank, Thank you. you, Souther. Cheers. For starting this year with me again. Love it. Uh, really appreciate you being my co-host uh, and, and friend. And uh, check out Heritage Radio Network. Dot org for many other programs like this one. Probably not as good, though. Uh, <laughs> and uh, click on the beating heart to donate to the station so we can keep uh, hanging out with awesome people like Amanda. And uh, until next week, y'all. Cheers. 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 So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Want more of the Speakeasy? Follow us and ask questions on Instagram at Speakeasy Podcast or on Twitter at Speakeasy Radio. You can find Damon at Damon Bolte, and you can find me at Creative Drunk on all platforms. Take a moment to write us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform and give us a star rating, five if possible. If you're visiting New York City or a resident, stop by the studio and hang out with us during an episode. Reach out beforehand and make sure we'll be here. We'd love to see you. And please support our show by visiting heritageradionetwork.org and clicking on the beating heart to donate. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.